Hello and welcome to By the Ghost Light, where we sit around in a dark, empty theater and hope that the ghosts don't come for our souls. My name is Ryan, and that started way darker than I thought it was going to. You know what? My name is Cassie, and I think it's important to give the people a sense of what they can expect from us. Darkness and bad jokes? Yeah, basically. We'll find our light eventually. Ha ha. Thank you. It is an audio medium. Audio medium. So, yeah. That was a theater pun. Yeah, so we're... We're Ryan and Cassie, and we're making this podcast where we're just going to sit around and talk about theater stuff, and we hope that some people want to listen to it. Yeah, uh, apparently people like our voices and kind of sort of trust us when we talk about these sorts of things. So I guess this is our pilot. This is our pilot episode, most likely. I guess we have to do our bona fides or... Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to go first? Sure. Do you want to brag about yourself? I will brag about myself. most favorite thing? Oh, uh, you know me. I'm all about self-promotion. Exactly. Yes. Uh, My bona fides are that I have a Bachelor of Arts in Communication in Theater from Bowling Green State University. It's a pretty piece of paper that I paid a lot of money for and ostensibly... Still paying for. It uh, taught me... Mine's paid off, but... Oh, congratulations. That's my my humble brag is I only had to take out uh, loans for one semester. I got that scholarship money. Um... (laughs) But I yes, big theater scholarship money. (laughs) But yes, I have a piece of paper that says that I am qualified to teach children how to pretend things in front of people. And that is what I do by day. I am a children's librarian. And by like 5 p.m. to midnight, I am neck deep in directing for Horizon Youth Theater here in our northwest Ohio town of Bowling Green. We serve kids ages 6 to 18. We do four shows a season. And in at the moment, we're in the middle of our uh, summer musical rehearsals. So that's my life. All the fun things. So many fun things. I'm Ryan. Uh, I also have pretty pieces of paper from Bowling Green State University. Uh, however, I am still paying uh, for those pieces of paper and will be for quite some time. Uh, I got my bachelor's and my master's in theater, uh, directing and design, and uh, I've spent uh, the better part of the last decade uh, running a performing arts center and a lot of uh, technical design and uh, working with high schoolers. We have taken several shows uh, to the State Thespian Conference, which is pretty neat, and I also design a couple of Disney pilot productions for the local high school, which was really, really cool and something that will probably, uh, you know, something I'll hold up until the, the day I die because it's pretty neat. Which you should. I saw I saw all of those productions and they were all phenomenally well done. Thank you. And I, you know, we did Peter in the round and it was so good and I hated every minute of it. It just made my life miserable. <laughs> but it worked. It worked. <laughs> And from a performance standpoint, it was truly phenomenal. So that's who we are. That's who we are. We know a little bit about this. We hope that you find this uh, accessible and you don't feel like you have to be an expert or be treading the boards every night or building a set every weekend to enjoy this. Because we're going we're gonna to try to make theater uh, maybe a little more accessible, explain some things, 
In case you're unfamiliar, the phrase treading the boards oh, is a, a theater idiom Oops. that just means being on stage, essentially. Essentially. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. We're going to start. We have uh, an opening number that we have to get to. And hold on. What's that? Do you hear that? storm coming. I'm going to put like lightning sound effects in here. Oh, awesome. It's lightning, be, like, sound lightning sound effects. effects. And the whole storm. Beautiful. There's a storm Ooh, coming to Bowling Green, coming. Ohio. Well, not Bowling Green, but Northwest Ohio. So my theater company is doing The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical as our summer show. We are a month into rehearsals, literally just finished blocking everything today which is later in the process than I like to finish blocking, but I was working around three other tech weeks in my first three weeks of uh, rehearsal. Sure. So I was missing a lot of people a lot of the time. Hopefully from here on out, I have more of my cast at every rehearsal. But I'm really excited because this show has only been available to perform for a few months at this point, and we are one of the first groups Mm -hmm. in Ohio to do it. And we're definitely one of the first in our area to do it. And I'm really excited to put it on. The kids are having a great time. We're doing some some fun, creative things that are largely born out of the fact that my theater company is very mm-hmm. poor. Can confirm. Very poor. And so we have to we have to embrace minimalism wherever we can. Um, but we've gotten good at it. And we're going to put on a fun show. And Lightning Thief is great because the script wants you to embrace minimalism. Mm-hmm. And so all of the, like, magic effects that we have, I've got, like, an ensemble of 10 kids who are all of the magic. They just go with scarves and ribbons and fabric and make that stuff. I wondered how you were going to do it. I have a seven-year-old girl who is playing Riptide. Okay. And she's going to wear a sheath on her back that has the sword. Okay. And every time Percy needs the sword, she runs up so he can grab the sword. Perfect. Perfect. Love it. Yeah. And no notes. So we're just doing a lot of fun effects like that. And I'm really excited about it. That sounds really cool. I have purposefully uh, not read the script, uh, even when you were looking through things. I don't know. You've been looking at this for like going on, what, six, eight months? Yeah. To Mm -hmm. select this. As I remember you talking about it a while ago. Um, Yeah. And I kind of made the decision then. I'm like, I'm pretty sure Cassie's going to do this because Cassie usually gets to do what she wants to do. So I'm going to not read this and uh, kind of go into the show blind because um, I haven't I have not read it. I haven't seen it. I haven't anything. So um, okay. that'll be cool. That'll be good. I'll get to see it. And it's at the Ohio, right? You guys are doing it up there. Yeah, we're doing it up at the Ohio in, in Toledo, which is also very exciting because um, the last time I did a show in an actual theater space with lights and like spotlights... Mm-hmm. And the ability to build an actual set was 2019. And this space is bigger than that space was. This space is huge at the Ohio. The stage is 60 feet wide and 30 feet deep. Yeah, very large. Very large. I haven't actually seen a full show there since I don't know when. Because the last one was the one Pat did when he did Mackers. And it was in the round. So you didn't get yeah. the full effect. Yeah, and so that's been the biggest challenge is um, figuring out how I'm going to fill the space and then mm-hmm. also recreating a space that size in our rehearsal space in Bowling Green, which is an empty yep. storefront at the Woodland Mall. Um, so that's... Yeah, that's much, much harder to do. 
Yeah. Might as well we, go rehearse in the hallway, honestly. Like, right. That's how you get your width. We have the width, but in order to have the width, we had to sacrifice the depth. And so technically sure. the room is deep enough, but it has it would require the kids going like right up to the wall, which they're really hesitant to do. I'm constantly telling them like, and you'll be much farther downstage for this scene. Sure. And we've taped out our, our set on the floor and I'm constantly, the refrain has become respect the tape, which is what I keep saying to the kids to try and get them to remember that the tape marks on the floor are not just pretty. Those are steps. Those are platforms. The more mm-hmm. that you get used to walking on that specifically and deliberately the easier it's going to be to transition to our actual set when we move into the space because we're only in the space for the last week gotcha so it's kind of a traditional tech in that sense that you only get the space for that last week yeah so that's that's good though for the kids because they get more of a traditional theater experience they do and most of them have never done a show like that with me before most of them are used to us being able to be in our performance space for at least the last like three weeks or so and the kids who are doing stuff with me are slowly accumulated over those weeks and they get used to it earlier rather than hey it's monday here's your costume here's your Mm -hmm. microphone there's the set don't fall yeah Mm mm-hmm so that's going to be fun. I've got a couple of six-foot towers in my set and an eight-and-a-half-foot nice. tower in my set. Nice. So that's going to be kind of fun Good. to navigate. Do you have a pit or is it canned? No, we will have a pit. Um, we will okay. have bass, guitar, drums, and keyboard. Cool. Great. For I uh, should explain that. Canned uh, is a term for uh, the music is recorded and played off of a CD. Right, um, right. Which is not abnormal in youth theater circles. It's not, but personally, I hate it. Just yeah, because... I know you do. I know you hate and it so I, much. I do understand that a lot of times it's a necessity. Like, sometimes some companies you cannot afford to have a pit or you don't have the people to have a pit. But personally, I find trying to perform off a recorded track to be very unforgiving. What's nice about... Mm-hmm live musicians is that if the kids get off or if they jump an entrance or they miss an entrance or a fight moment takes longer than you think it's going to the orchestra the people playing they can vamp they can cut measures they can work with the kids to make it less obvious that something has gone slightly wrong sure yeah and I'm lucky because we have a wonderful piano player who Um, has been with us now for like six years and did it largely because her daughter was in our group. Her daughter has now graduated. So I reached out to her and was like, are you still willing Mm -hmm. to be our piano player for this show? It's Miss Olga. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. I would love to still do it. And I was like, you're my favorite person in the whole world. Well, I'm sure we will come back to uh, Cassie's adventures with the lightning thief as we get closer to opening. Mm -hmm. So that is my very personal theater news let's discuss broader theater news broader or even broadway news or even broadway news broader broadway broadly this is a bad bit um but i'm leaning into the skid at this point let's do it we have talked at length about princess stories Mm -hmm. and how they're usually terrible 
and you don't need to keep retelling the same story over and over and over and over and over. And apparently the audiences over in London agreed because uh, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella is closing. Yeah. Quickly and suddenly. Very suddenly. There's some drama happening around the suddenness of the announcement. It's not great. No? Apparently cast members found out about the cancellation through social media and news sites announcing it. What I heard was that cast members found out about two hours before it was announced on social media, but the cast that was supposed okay. to come in and replace the current cast found oh, out from social media. That's bad. That's very bad. That's really bad. You can't do that. No. Well, apparently you can. You shouldn't you do that. Should you really do shouldn't really shouldn't. So uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella, which is how all of his things are. You just got to put his name into it. He's like Jason Derulo. Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella will close its West End and run on June 12th. Um, how uh, It began previews in June 2021. Uh, it did not go very well. It did not last very, very long. However... It is now preparing for its transfer to Broadway in 2023. Interesting. So we'll see if that happens. Yeah, I just... Listen, I have a fairy tale podcast. It's called Of Slippers and Spindles. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. And so I personally benefit from people telling the same fairy tale stories over and over again, because that's what allows me to have a whole podcast about it. Sure. It's content. But one of the things that my co-host Drew and I talk about frequently is that if you're going to choose to retell a story, you need to be bringing something new to it. And Cinderella is a really hard one to bring something new to. Because... It's just been done so much. It's one of the most commonly retold fairy tales. And I'll be honest, I haven't listened to the full soundtrack of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella because I'm not a fan of Webber. But I have heard Bad Cinderella, like the kind of central song. Mm -hmm. And it just sounds like it belongs in Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. Like a lot of it sounds like it came directly out of that soundtrack. And I understand like maybe paying homage to that very classic Cinderella musical that exists. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between like paying homage and not and and full on kind of copying the vibe of that. Yeah, and you you got to do something new to do something new. Like for instance, uh the Amazon Cinderella was so bad, but they kind of tried to do something new, I guess. It was real bad, though. So one does not make up for the other. Right. But how many new Cinderella's have we had then in the last handful of years? We've had so we have Weber's. We have the Amazon one. Um, they did the live action movie, which I actually really liked. I think that that was a I good update really of too. the story. We have yeah. um, the Broadway revival of Rodgers yep. and Hammerstein, which also tried to do something new, but didn't do it very well. It's every, what, four or five years, there's a new Disney original retelling mm-hmm. the story of Cinderella somehow. Oh, my God. They'll, they'll like, switch it. Cinderella's or... story was okay, but then they have literally just, like, another Cinderella story and mm-hmm. a Christmas wish Cinderella story. Like, we get it. 
It's like, do you know how many other fairy tales there are out there? Well, if uh, you're Disney, there's only so many. There's only so many approved by Disney. True. But if we're going to write <laughs> new musicals based on fairy tales, yep. the the pool is wide open. You got yeah. Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella, and you got Once Upon a Mattress. Everything else is ripe for the picking. You have Frozen is new, based off of other princess stories, kind of. Kind of. You know, you get Tangled. Um, but even then, there's only I think the only way to w- see Tangled live is whatever the 30 minute version is yeah. at Disney Parks. Yes, like, yes, that's not on a big you know. stage full length anymore. Right. Or at at this point. Yeah. All right. Enough about princesses. <laughs> enough about princesses. Enough about these princesses. Let's move on to the princesses of TikTok. I wish you could see the eye roll Cassie just gave me. We do, of course, <laughs> need to talk about the Bridgerton musical because. They won a Grammy. They sure did. They sure did. I, okay. They sure did. Oh, boy. I'm, you and I have not discussed our opinions of the Bridgerton musical mm-hmm. beyond just saying this thing happened and we need to talk about it on the podcast. I have no idea, True. though, if you feel favorably or negatively toward this whole thing it's a whole conversation i've never read the books i probably never will it's fine i watched about half of the first season and fully intend to watch it and to keep watching it because you know it's high quality and the world cares um i am fascinated by the idea of the tiktok musical particularly the ratatouzical mm-hmm when they tried to do Ratatouille the musical on TikTok, and it kind of sort of worked, but also kind of right. didn't. Mostly just because I liked seeing people try to do art in new ways. Yeah. Like, let's try to, you know, challenge something established. Let's try to, we have this new v- way of performing. Let's see what we can do with it. The album itself is pretty good, I think. I did not listen to it, like, full on, start to finish, doing nothing else, just listening to it until... I think right before they won their Grammy, I had heard bits of it. I was more aware of it and I was more fascinated with it than anything else. Um, I didn't know it was literally just the two of them mm-hmm. singing. I assumed they'd gotten some friends from TikTok so that it wasn't just two women doing all of the voices. I kind of like that it's just two women doing all of the voices. It feels much more authentic for, hey, it's the two of us and we made this thing. I would. Lo- I can't wait to see what they do with money and support, I guess, is the end of all of this. Yeah, I have such mixed feelings about it because I was on TikTok while it was happening. Like, I was in the thick of the Bridgerton musical coming into existence. And so part of my mixed feelings are that when they first started working on it, it was very much with this attitude of like, we want this to be collaborative. You can write another verse to this song. You can. We're going to like, when it's a duet, we're going to make it something that you can duet the video on TikTok if you want to sing the other part. Sure. And so, you know, it was very much like, hey, we're just a couple of small time people and we're doing this thing and we want you, the community, to be part of it. And then it went viral. Mm-hmm. And it took off. And somewhere along the way, that collaborative aspect disappeared. 
And then all of a sudden they're sure. like, hey, we recorded an album. Here are the full length versions now of all the songs. And that's fine. But it was a little frustrating for me to see like that it started out with like, we want to collaborate with you and then turned into, oh, no, no. We've now just done it all ourselves because it would have gotcha. been so easy for them to make this album with voices from TikTok. Yeah. And that's kind of what I assumed it happened until I listened to it. And that's when I realized, oh, it's just called Barlow and Bear because it's literally just the two. It's of literally them. just them. But right. there were people who recorded like Simon's half of the Burn For You duet mm-hmm. whose versions of it took off and – I haven't looked into seeing like how much credit they give to things. I know that they thank the fans and everybody who helped make it big. But sure. like I know that the version of Simon's duet that they sing at concerts, like when they get Darren Chris to come on and sing with them at the Grammys. I think that was the first thing I saw when he came and sang because I think he did it before. Yeah. Too. But the version that he's singing is largely taken from like another TikToker who duetted that video. Huh. And so, like, for me, that kind of makes me go, like, where was the collaboration when it actually became a project? But also, one of my biggest frustrations from people who are, like, now reacting to it winning a Grammy is, okay, well, when is this coming to Broadway? And I'm sitting there going, never. This is never coming (laughs) to Broadway. Never. It's never going to Broadway. this album, the unofficial Bridgerton musical album, is a very – it's a decent – pop album inspired by mm-hmm. a TV show but it is not structured like a musical no and the thing is this is a 400 page book that was adapted into a nine and a half hour season of television mm-hmm. it is not going to become a two and a half hour stage musical no. without significant cuts and rewrites that this yeah. album of music does not support what no, they did it, is it they took not. their favorite characters, their favorite scenes, and they're like, we're going to write a musical. We're going to write a song about mm-hmm. this scene or this character. And so that's really nice. And having these anthems for these characters is great. But this is not a musical. I hate that they're calling it a musical because it's not. And a lot of people who aren't familiar with theater don't understand that jump. It, it, it can't be performed on stage. This is not something that can be performed on stage. It's a concert. Or nothing else, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I I kind of want it to be like a musical filmed for TikTok. Like, this is where it all started. Let's figure out a way that we can do this, like, you know, like almost like office style, like the selfie interview or camera in your face type thing. And it's solos and duets. And it's a lot of inner because the album's also a lot of inner monologue. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much all inner monologue and inner thought which is how they get away with just the two of them doing it. I want to see them be able to do some weird, cool video version of this on TikTok or on YouTube or on something like that. But even then, that's not going to make money. Um, And I don't even know. I mean, they have to put unofficial in the title just to get away with it. So I like nothing else can happen with this. All it does is launch Barlow and Bear into other things. And And I'm excited to see what they get to do next. 100% great for them. Um, but now that season two has come out, all these people are like, when are you going to write the music for season two? And mm-hmm. Abigail Barlow made a video where she's like, yeah, we're not planning on it. We've moved on to another project. Sure. Because that's how this works. 
Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's how the reality works. of it. I don't know how I feel about it winning the Grammy. It feels very much like a stunt win. Mm-hmm. Because they were, I'm sorry, I, I applaud, you know, women kind of breaking into this very male-dominated mm-hmm. um, genre of musical composing, 100%. But they were up against Andrew Lloyd Webber. They were up against Stephen Schwartz. They were up mm-hmm. against, like really big people who understand how to compose a musical and do it very, very well. Yeah. And I just don't know that their album is better than those other big names. I don't, I don't think it is either. It's, it's actually, I was wondering who they beat out. I knew they beat Weber because they talked about it. I think I saw a TikTok about it because that's how this works. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was, we just talked about it. It beat Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella original West End cast album. Like it's, it's still only so much, only so good. And then yeah. it beat Steven Sater's some, some lovers, which, okay. Girl from the North country is the one I kind of expected to win this. Um, and then it beat another Les Mis recording from 2020. And then it also beat Steven Schwartz, um, snapshots it's not like you know hamilton was here right like it's not yeah. one of those moments where it's like okay this clearly needs to win it's kind of a down year for it and it kind of feels like if there was ever going to be a time when somebody mm-hmm. did something weird like this and it won it was going to be this yeah so i don't know i'm mixed about it i think it's an interesting conversation starter for mm-hmm. sure but I don't know how much I believe that it was actually the best musical theater album. Largely because I don't think it is a musical theater album. I think it's a pop album. Yeah. But you could make the same argument for six. That's true. What musical theater is and is not. This is a whole other conversation. But <laughs> right, what musical yeah. theater is or is not has changed over the past several years. No, it definitely has. So it's it's just it's interesting. It's interesting to see how how pandemic life and Mm -hmm. the creation of these communities on TikTok is pushing at the definitions of what musical theater is and can be. I'm excited about that. I'm sure we will talk about uh, Barlow and Bear more in future episodes because they're not going to go anywhere. And this is the future. Um, And I'm excited to see what they get to do out of this. I don't. I know they're working on things separ- separately and together. I think, mm-hmm. but I don't think anything's really been announced yet. No, not yet. The latest video from Abigail Barlow, as of this recording, um, just said that they were working on a project that they weren't allowed to talk about yet. So uh, our final act here, Act Three, our uh, our grand finale, uh, is. I think it might kind of actually jump off of this conversation, but there's another headline I would like to read that I think. Um, will will uh, spur this conversation further. And that is that the London production of Heather's The Musical is to be filmed for future release, which is great. Um, apparently, it will be shot over the course of two weeks. Wow. Yeah. Uh, with casting and further details still to be announced, there will be two performances filled in front of a live audience. Okay. But they're filming for two weeks. So I don't know how much of this is actually the show as an audience member would see or what it's. I, we'll see. I wanted to talk about. Is it still theater? 
if you're not sitting in a seat. Yes, it is. Okay, continue. Broadway, and by Broadway, I mean like West End Broadway, like mm-hmm. big level original shows being put on, has such an accessibility problem. Absolutely. The reason bootlegs are so prevalent is because A, people want to see these shows, but B, most people do not have the ability to see these shows. Mm-hmm. There are so yep. many shows playing on Broadway, playing in the West End that I would love to see, but I do not have A, the time to take off from my job mm-hmm. to make a trip to New York, the money to make a trip to New York, to pay to travel to New York and stay in New York, or C, the money to see all of these shows that I want to see. Being able to mm-hmm. see live theater on Broadway, on the West End, is an incredible privilege. Yes. It is indicative of wealth. It is indicative of privilege. And the average layperson is not able to access these shows. And the only thing that we have largely are cast recordings and illegal mm-hmm. bootlegs. This idea that if you film these shows and then release them, that somehow that's going to cut into your profits is completely ridiculous. I'm I'm never going to go see that show. I'm never going to be able to see your show on Broadway. You're never going to get my money. You will get my money if you professionally film the show and release it. I will pay to watch it. And so I want to see this movement towards more pro shot recordings of musicals. I don't want to see movie versions of those musicals. I want to see pro shots, professionally filmed recordings of the stage musical. Sure. And I think there's a so there's a couple of good examples of of this. I think there's there's just so much to unpack here because it's a huge topic and it feels like one we're going to keep coming back to. Um, the uh, one that people will point to the most is Hamilton because uh, it was it was professionally shot. Um, it was professionally shot with the original cast and then they held on to it for years mm-hmm. until they released it in the middle of a pandemic on Disney Plus and it was a huge success there and it made it that much more accessible to so many people and ticket sales are fine. Yeah. But we talk about it being shot professionally as opposed to a bootleg, but I want to break down that professionally bit a little bit more because filming a live show is very hard to do because there's two modes of thought. One is we put a camera somewhere or put a couple cameras somewhere so that we have basically a wide shot of like, you're sitting in the seat and this is what you would see. So you see the set, you see the lights, you see the everything. And then you have a couple more shots of people operating cameras. So you can get close-ups of faces during songs or scenes or whatever. And that's it more or less. And then there is, what Hamilton did, which is bring a crane into the theater so that they could film it like a movie. And it worked. And it's really easy to point to Hamilton and say, well, look, Lynn did this. Hamilton did this. So everybody's going to do this now. Or look, we proved we can do it. Look, this is the future. And it is because everybody had already heard Hamilton for years. And now they can see Hamilton, you know, for what, nine bucks on Disney Plus, 
for a month of streaming free if you have a free subscription for 30 days. And that's the most accessible top-level Broadway's ever been. But it'll be interesting to me to see if more shows are shot more like this Hamilton was or if they're shot more like... um like the Into the Woods is, where it's more static. Right. So Into the Woods did a pro shot back in the 80s. And that's what I grew up watching. Like one of the reasons why Into the Woods is one of my favorite musicals is because I had access to it. Mm -hmm. I watched that VHS tape. You had visual access to it. I had visual access to it. Like not just listening to the soundtrack, but I could watch the performance. I could see the actors. I could see the magic that was made on stage. And because of that, every time any theater in my area does Into the Woods, I go see it. Sure. Like having the access to this show made it one of my favorite shows. And it's not taking away from me like, oh, well, if you have access to the pro shot, you're not going to go see it somewhere else. No, I'm always going to go see it. I'm always going to go see Into the Woods. Because I want to see how people are interpreting that story. Into the Woods is also a good example because um, there is that pro shot, which, you know, so many people hold so dear. There is also a film, an actual film. It's not the stage version at all. And a lot of changes were made. And Cassie's rolling her eyes. You could probably hear it. But there is, they also made a film of it, what, 10 years ago, eight years ago, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um and we don't have to tear apart the Into the Woods film. If right you this want second. to hear me tear apart the Into the Woods film, my fairy tale podcast did an entire Into the Woods month in November. Good. And we Good. did talk about the movie and we did rip it to pieces. Good. Um, I like when people do film versions of these shows because it allows for different interpretation of the work. The problem. I think we have with that is that once there is a film version of it, people like to point to that as the definitive version of it, mm-hmm. which is has for forever has been pretty easy to do because you didn't have the original stage version. You don't have uh, another version of like we don't guys and dolls is a movie. Right. Music man is a movie. Right. Cinderella might be a movie um whoopie's cinderella is certainly a movie it is right like sound of music is a movie you know you can go on and on and on and on but the accessibility of these pro shots and even bootlegs to an extent with youtube i think are keeping the narrative focused on what the original cast did and what the original version was and pointing to that as the definitive version um, and then all, all these other interpretations happen. Uh, I think Dear Evan Hansen's a good example of that. Mm-hmm. So many people have seen the Jimmy Fallon performances of the stage version of parts of it or um, on the Grammys or on the Tonys or on bootlegs that exist of the original cast that when the film came out and it wasn't that great, people can then go, oh, I didn't really care for that too much. Let me go home and watch the actual version because we can just do that now. Yeah. And the other part of this that's vaguely frustrating for me is that 
professionally filmed versions of Broadway musicals already exist. Like, not to the extent of Hamilton where they recorded over three days and they brought in, like, a film crew and they intended to film it for release. Mm -hmm. But for archival purposes, they film every Broadway show. There is an archive in New York City that you can visit and you can tell them what Broadway show you want to watch. They will come. They will bring you the footage. You have to watch it there. But you can just do that all day long. They're yeah, out there. For they free exist too, right? I for think free. It's free. Yeah, to do that one. Yeah, but, I mean you have to be there, but still. yeah. But it's like they're they're there. They exist. I can go watch the original cast of Wicked, and I want to. <laughs> so they exist. Just give them to me. Let me give you my money when I'm picking a show to do with my with my kids, like when I'm picking a musical. So often I'm going in blind. So often I am going into picking a musical with I have the soundtrack. And maybe mm-hmm. somebody has put a PDF of the script online somewhere that I can read. Right. Maybe I can wait three weeks to get a perusal copy from, you know, whatever company yeah. would lease maybe. me the rights. Maybe. If you have that time. Yeah. And so it's like having access to the original version would be so helpful in that regard. It would help me know so many more shows to choose them for my kids. Yeah, it's just research at that point. Like, it's just doing your due diligence. I remember doing Footloose and going, okay, I know Footloose, the film. I know Footloose, the remake of the film. Um, can I find the stage version anywhere? And the answer was kind of. Um, it's real different than the movies. Mm-hmm. there's almost nothing to go on. And even then, it's really hard to go, okay, how do we put a film on stage and how do we have recognizable parts for the audience and everything? And that's a whole other conversation. But I couldn't even access like the original Broadway recording of it just to see what they did. Like, right. It's a resource, if nothing else. Like, And at some point, doesn't your hope have to be if you put a show on Broadway – that eventually that show is going to trickle down to regional community theaters. Mm-hmm. Why yep. are we not making it easy for regional community theaters to have access to these shows? Because there are shows that play for a very short time on Broadway. Yep. There are shows that maybe play for a handful of performances or a handful of weeks. Because maybe the timing wasn't right for them on Broadway. Maybe they couldn't find an audience on Broadway. But regional community theaters would fit those shows really well, but they don't know about them. Sure. Especially if the show wasn't around long enough to get a cast recording, because not every show gets a cast recording either. Right. Not every show gets a cast recording. It's an announcement when it happens, because it's, I mean, it it costs money and time and all that stuff, but it's a big deal to get to that point. So it's like, yeah, I can browse through Musical Theater International's website, and I can see all of the shows that are available to me. But if I don't recognize the name and there's no place I can listen to a soundtrack and there's no place I can read a script, mm-hmm. the chances of me doing that show are very slim. Whereas on the flip side, if you can go online and very easily watch Shrek the Musical, all of a sudden you see it and you go, oh, I guess maybe we could do that. Exactly. And everybody does Shrek the Musical or SpongeBob the Musical or... Uh, it's fresh in my brain right now, but like legally 
Blonde has a pretty good pro shot mm-hmm. that aired on MTV. It's incredibly accessible. Yes. And the more musicals we do this with, the more we're going to diversify the musicals that communities are doing so that you don't run into the situation of one group does Shrek and then over the course of the next five years, everybody else does Shrek. Yeah. That'd be nice to not have to go see Shrek seven times. Like that that sounds good to me. That'd be great. Well, uh, I think we've about uh, exhausted this uh, for today. Too long, didn't listen. Pro shots are good, and we want more of them. More, please. And make more, them more please. accessible. Put them on streaming services. Let us be able to see them. Newsies is another good one. They went back and did it. It's great. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for listening to uh, this, our pilot episode of By the Ghost Light. Um, we are on the Ghost Light Media Network. Uh, this show would only exist with the support of our uh, Patreons over on Patreon which is a terrible sentence, but it's how it must be said. We hope that you've enjoyed listening to us chat about things relating to theater that we are passionate about. And we would love to have you be part of the conversation. So please consider supporting the network and supporting our podcast. And we hope that this is a successful endeavor moving forward into the future. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Cassie. And I'm Ryan. And we'll leave the light on for the ghost. Wait, we have a ghost? We have a ghost? We have a ghost light, so we must have a ghost. A a podcast ghost? Every podcast needs a ghost. Who else are we going to blame for the audio problems? That makes a lot of sense, actually. Have you seen the podcast ghost? This has been a Ghostlight Media production.